Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And today we're talking about minute number 95 of Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is going to start with Batman cutting off another driver as he zips onto the highway. (laughs) And then the minute is going to end with Alfred holding a gun. So, oh my God, you're just like picking up the bad, the worst parts of like how do how you're like the media, huh? How do you shine the worst light? <laughs> it's the these worst people, Batman huh? and Alfred I've ever seen on television. Oh, you're like the liberal media. <laughs> ben Affleck's the worst Batman. Look at him cutting off a driver. What is, superheroes don't do that? Zack Snyder never reads the comic books. Batman would never do that. Drive recklessly on the road. Alfred holding a gun, so edgy, Zack Snyder. Come on, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you were right about him cutting off a driver, though. Uh, I didn't notice it in the, in yesterday's minute because it was the wrong driver, but in this minute, he does cut off a driver, uh, albeit it is a uh, Dodge Challenger. So who knows? Maybe it's maybe they, maybe he too was a, a a tool on the road, if you will. Uh, it is Central City, so everyone speeds, right? That's that's the Central City way of life. Yeah, there's a connecting thread uh, tool on the uh, tool on the road versus uh, the the uh, Junkie XL industrial music that we are hearing, uh, very reminiscent of Trent Reznor esque. I don't want to say I'm not trying to put people in like a like a container and just say like everybody's like the same. I'm just saying when I hear Junkie XL things. I get a feeling of like, oh, that sounds like resin or stuff, and that's a good like, thing. oh wait, that's Nine Inch Nails. Is not Tool. Who's the guy from Tool? Oh, I say okay. I thought you were just doing an idiom. I didn't know if it was an actual. No, I was trying tool to do band. weird ring theory stuff, but it yeah. doesn't work on everything. Well, and I'm just bad at names. Resner did the music for um, the Watchmen yeah, but he's not TV in show, which is yes, and Zack Snyder did a, a Watchmen movie. The whole point is I was trying to play off of your tool comment. I don't know. If I probably would have been safer with trying to, you know, say the Challenger was a was another Transformer like like the like the like the fancy car. Uh, you know, hope, Ste- hey, hey, step Challenger aside Bumblebee. Runs over a 9-inch nail and gets a flat tire. That'd be a good one. Is that working? Yeah. Let me look I at know, my so Bumblebee wasn't quick. a Challenger. Bumblebee was a Camaro. I'm just wrong on all accounts right now, dude. <laughs> We're firing on all cylinders, but we're missing. Hey, it looks like you're going to have to take my nerd card away from me. <laughs> but it's laminated. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, I don't really have notes for the for this whole driving bit, except the fact that it happened. and that he- It's the CGI. It's the quick CGI that you were telling me. I did not know that it was quick CGI. I thought that, <laughs> and it's like, Kind of silly, but also, like, it looks like a cartoon to me, Um, but I don't know what, like, really high horsepower cars look like when they, you know, start going really fast. I don't either. That very well could be, you know, uh, like, if the edit was like, yeah, dude, that looks like what it looks like in real life. I'd be like, oh. I don't know if it is. Well, you know, I'm wrong. Because we live in Florida, and I see fast cars all the time, and I... they don't really ever look like that, but... Listen, the closest I get is listening to Tracy Chapman, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, it 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 kind of just looks 
CGI. I don't know. I don't know. It, it does now that you pointed it out. It doesn't look like it has that friction that a no, a or it looks like car. it has too much friction. No, it looks like it's like it's catching and then like oh oh oh. It looks like uh, a car on one of those magnetic tracks that you have as a kid. Oh, the little trigger. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, little RC cars, but they're like on yeah. the on the magnet track, and they're just zipping, mm-hmm. and they like. They turn so fast for being on a magnetic strip. You're like, okay, it should slow down on this turn. It's like, no, I have to do it because the car is not going to do it. In real life, I think the car is like, nah, man, this is, you know, 3,000 pounds that you're asking to go zero to 60. So there's weight involved and there's a towing power that needs to be taken into effect. And as the car like zips onto the highway, it's just like, (laughs) it's so smooth that like butter, how it whips like that. That it doesn't seem like it should do that. Now, when you drive, you know, we have driving simulators. We have video games that do driving simulation. And if you were to floor it like that and quickly whip that turn onto that highway, your back end would be dragging. It would be, and then as soon as it catches up, then it's whipping in front of you. And so it's, you tell me the Batman's doing all that? Because when he drives the Batmobile, it does the exact opposite. It you see him drifting because of the speed of his Batmobile. So when you see the Batmobile, even though it's CGI, like you believe it when it's doing all those things with the parademons or whether it's in Dawn of Justice, like you believe the 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 weight and the power and the, and the force behind the Batmobile. Everything that it does just looks cool and believable. But this concept car thing here, this should have just made it to Ashton Martin, man. I would have forgiven yeah. everything about it. I would be like, yeah, but it's a James Bond car. It can do, it can look this cool. And yeah, they probably would have just um, driven it up a, an actual ramp instead of just being like, all right, drive the concept car, you know, five feet, and then we got to stop because the car is really not built for that. Uh, and then we'll finish the rest in post. It's like, what are we doing with this scene? What is this whole bit? If it was, if you want to chalk it up to... This is a moment where corners could have been cut. I don't even know if it looks like this in the uh, in the 2017 version. If it has like that jump quick, quick getaway car. It does. Uh, so it's I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things I that could have been cut. You know, I think whatever. I think and the fact that it wasn't cut from like the two hour version, it has to be a sponsor thing. It has to be like yeah, this car. And uh, Mercedes Benz is, is footing the bill here. So it's got to be in here. It gets a pass because I really uh, don't care. It's just like one of those things where we're just like, oh, no, just see that little little flub, little yeah. movie flub. But like huh? the Nissan Rogue or whatever that's in Dawn of Justice, it's fine. It's perfect. Is that what it was? I thought it was a Jeep. I said Jeep the entire time I yesterday. I think it might be a Jeep or something. It's not, it's not the Rogue. I think, well, no, the Rogue was the Star Wars car. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's... It's something that I'm forgetting what it is, but it doesn't, I don't care that it might be some product placement for the vehicle. Like it, it just, it just makes it cool. Um, whatever. The only thing, I mean, um, this, the part like this, like things like this, I don't care, uh, to other people. It probably is something that they will latch onto and say that this is a bad movie because did you see that bad CGI spaceship car? I'd be like, yeah, it's, and that's your you're done that's it okay like let's walk move on yeah like that's like if that's the hang up then 
you know, I don't know what else more that I could do for you. It's a, it's a crazy car. Um, Batman is a crazy, very person. aggressive driver. <laughs> He's a crazy person. Um, you know what? Whatever. Move on. I think some people have actually gotten turned off by the the Jeep part from Dawn of Justice, the beginning part. And they're like, Batman driving around in a Jeep in, in Metropolis, like, it's so lame. And it's like, yeah, well, it's, it's also like the beginning of the movie, so there's like three more hours yeah. left, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, like like I said yesterday, once that Jeep part, once the car part in Dawn of Justice, like, happens... Once I get the title card of Mankind is introduced to the Superman, I'm in the story. I'm not looking for the Dr. Pepper wall. I'm not looking for uh, yeah, the Jeep symbol. I've never I'm looked not, for it again. <laughs> I'm honestly, like I saw it in the TV spots for the actual product. You know, when the Dr. Pepper commercials were out, I saw it for the car commercial and was like, okay, that's that's cool. It's taken from the movie. And, you know, you do the whole Leonardo DiCaprio thing and say like, oh, it's from the movie. But then that's not anymore. Because I see it for its storytelling aspect, you know? I'm I'm so much more involved. Here, I could say the opposite. I'm so much less involved, where it's like, yeah, whatever, car drives away, scene change. Did you see the billboard? That's really what you should be talking about. Yeah, the billboard, yeah, you're right. That would be something upsetting, where it's like, I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but yeah, I, I totally whatever. agree. Um. This is this this next part is kind of interesting um, because this is leading. This is a scene that preambles a, a more important scene, and this is a scene that we're going to start off with with Wonder Woman and Alfred, which is an interesting, um, you know, character dynamic. Something that we're not used to seeing, and this is what I think is great about when you kind of merge these shared universes. You start having like these different characters hanging out with each other and thinking like, oh, what would it be like if this character and this character uh, shared a moment with each other, whether it be an exciting one or a casual one. Um, and this one's like, okay, what about Alfred and Diana? What are, their, what are they like in the same room with each other? And there's no Batman in presence, so there's no, you know, he's not the centerpiece for the conversation. Um, it's a really cool thing to write about. You definitely start to see it in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they have so many characters now that they can mingle with each other. Um, and you see that a lot in Infinity War. And I think that's one of the greatest parts about that movie is just seeing characters that you've that you've known for such a long time now and interacting with each other. And it's all different types of characters. It's not all just the main protagonists of each movie. It's the different supporting characters that get to work with each other. And so here we have, you know, the Wonder Woman who's been in, you know, her own movie in Dawn of Justice and the other Justice League movie, you know, taking that as a separate entity and, and having seen that like three or four years ago. And then Wonder Woman 1984, which came out before the Snyder Cut. And so all this Gal Gadot, like Wonder Woman media that you've consumed and then coming into him being like, this is Gal Gadot and, 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 um, uh, Alfred, uh, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons. I almost said Alfred Molina and I was like, that's not him. I'm thinking something <laughs> else. Too much. There's too much. There's too many There's of these much great actors, on. uh, playing great characters. And, um, yeah, Jeremy Irons in this one. 
And we also haven't really gotten that much Alfred. You know, we've only gotten the one movie, and I guess Justice League is another one if you want to count it as well. But seeing a new bit of Alfred with a Wonder Woman that we've come to know and love, and it, and it is kind of like the more charismatic version of Diana, not the god goddess warrior type of Diana. Um, it just feels very at home, you know. It it kind of again sets a sets a tone for this being a you know feeling of a standalone Wonder Woman movie, a continuation of just the entire Wonder Woman story from two three movies by now. Um, but yeah, it's it feels very real. It feels normal. Um, yeah, I think Bruce and Diana have maybe had you know a, a handful of run-ins, and she's been to the manor or the Batcave, I guess, twice maybe. Or or if this was the first time, she came and broke all the security things and just you know showed up or whatever. Um, but it seems like uh, they're. They have a rapport with each other. Yeah. Um, Diana obviously can see the intellect of Alfred and and see the type of person that he is and and how he is Batman's keeper and and all of these things. And to cherry on top of it all, it's like these two men. And I say that with, you know, tongue in cheek, but... It kind of goes back to to the idea of the Amazons, and you know when when Steve Trevor first got to Themyscira, and it was like you don't you know men in man's world are terrible, you guys suck or whatever. And then her seeing the the drive, the uh, the passion that these two uh, you know humans are dealing with, and and the fact that they're you know formidable and and think that they can. Uh, at least have a fighting chance you know their 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 hearts and their minds are in the right place um it just feels cool that diana can feel that comfortable with uh, alfred here at least in this minute um yeah it definitely feels like there's a a bonding going on yeah it's it's like you know what i like so much about it is you know wonder woman stands up she goes to reach for the teapot and she has like that kind of hardened Wonder Woman look as she goes to grab it, kind of like that annoyed face, which, you know, it's it's all a persona that Gal is putting on because if Gal Gadot were to go walk up and grab the teapot, you know, she would, she definitely wouldn't look that like furrow browed look. I think the furrow brow just comes from her being focused in on the work and and the noises, obviously, you know, yeah, distract taking taking away from it. So it's like, okay, let me just go deal with this. I love that. I love that kind of personality that Zach and Gal like crafted for for Wonder Woman and she goes and she just like grabs that teapot like just so aggressively and um but I but I like this idea this reoccurring thing that happens in all her movies where she comes from Themyscira and she has been educated for so long in their ways and then she comes to Man's World a place that she knows to be you know the corrupted badlands of the outside world. And then she meets characters like Chris Pine, Steve Trevor and, and Alfred and, you know, Charlie and Samir. And they show her like things that she has not experienced back home. And, you know, Themyscira, they teach you how to make tea. They, they, they make tea. That's fine. 
but Alfred is like, no, I've been trained and, you know, this is how exquisite I have to make this tea and the, uh, the finesse that I have to put into it. And she's like, oh, like I'm learning a, a, a much more romantic way of making tea or precise way. And she's learned that from Charlie, from the way he sings and Samir for, for his love of, of helping and, you know, all these other things for these, these humans who are above average, the way that they teach her things. She's like, she thinks it's strange at first, but then she, she finds the love in it that, you know, if Alfred is not having tea, he still has a great amount of care for how the tea is made because of his upbringing, because of his legacy. And I think it's just kind of a cute moment in multiple ways. It's it's cute because, you you know, you have her who's just like, I'm just making the tea. And he's like, oh, no, no, please, you know, I'm, I'm Alfred the butler. Like, I'm going to teach you how to make tea for Master Wayne. Like, this is, this is how it must be done. And so, obviously, yeah. you have that culture shock. But it's great because, you know, Diana is experiencing man's world once more, like another point of view which is really nice. It's just, you know, it, it, I do agree. It feels like a Wonder Woman movie in its own. And this would be one of those things where it's just, it's this really, would be really nice. like a moment in a Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman movie where we would lose our minds because she is just one scene. She stops by the bat cave just to grab a new piece of equipment that Alfred was tinkering on. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't get a, you know, Ben Affleck cameo you don't get the big you know you don't get the big guy you don't get Batman but you get Alfred and it's like that little hat tip of just like a oh hey you got got Alfred to show up which is kind of neat you know I would totally be about that um, Absolutely. That would, that's kind of awesome that would it's kind of awesome to see that as it's uh set aside from everything else it's pretty neat but um it would also be cool if, like what if she she just needed information and she just went to the Daily Planet to go visit Lois Lane and just be like, yeah, I just, you know, you're you are also a world's greatest detective. So I would go to you for information, Lois, and be like, yeah, two women solving the uh, saving the world, you know, and it's like no need for Superman. And or even it's just the more direct approach of of getting, you know, information pseudo legal way than having to do the whole theatrics of batman you know she would have to you know roll your eyes be like all right what if it's like noon and she needs the information and she's like what am i gonna wait till tonight for him to just dress up and put on his makeup so he can beat a couple guys up come on how romantic is that Psh. you know <laughs> <laughs> that's romantic for uh one other feline i guess yeah i would say so but that comes with the with the shtick with the territory you know? yeah yeah. Um, so, how do you um, how do you feel about this whole uh, process of making tea? I'm not a I'm not an avid tea drinker, and uh, so I don't know uh, what the hell they're saying. And when he says like pour the tea first or water in first or whatever, I feel like she was already doing what he was correcting her. I don't know if she was doing it the exact way that he was already going to tell her how to do it, but I understand his process in in which you don't put the tea directly on the, you know, the cups or, or whatever and, and then scald it with the hot water. I understand that he's like, okay, you're going to gently put the tea into the hot water so that you do kind of, uh, what, is the, what is the term, so that you do steep it. 
but that you don't leave it in there so long that it scalds it, it like burns it, ruins it. You want to gently push the tea in, steep it, remove it. We don't want to overdo any of it. We don't want to overcook it because if you do, it's going to get really bitter and you don't want to do that. So pour the hot water in first, gently steep the tea, do it for, you know, no more than four minutes, remove it. It's good. Add whatever you want. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was just confused as to the steps that he was telling Diana in in which to make the tea. And from what I can see, she picks up the the kettle, right? She takes it off the burner. Yeah. She picks up the jar of, of tea leaves, I guess, loose tea leaves, which, again, blows my mind because I always thought there was like a little thing you had to put it in. Um, unless that handle is the thing and it like closes and she just like has that in there as the stir, but I don't, it looks like it's just a spoon or something to me anyway. So she puts, she was going to grab the tea to put in the cup and he said, no, 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 water first. So she was like, okay, put the water in. Yeah. Because you don't want to pour the hot water. And then she was about to put tea in it and he said, that's enough tea. And she was like, oh snap. Okay. But did she put a scoop of tea already into the cup and scolded it? And he was like, ah, well, you, you did it wrong no, to begin no, with. No, no, she so, like, stopped. Just... Because she, you're right. She was about to put the tea directly into the cup. And you don't always have to. It's, it's now more of a... Uh, it's a tradition more now that you have a tea ball or some other vessel that's going to strain all the tea grounds out. Some people do drink their tea with, you know, with all the grounds in the cup and they all float to the or sink to the bottom of the cup. And, you know, you just don't drink that part. Um, That's you get those you get those red back to you <laughs> tell your tell your future or divination right? tea. Right. Yeah. From uh, Harry Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and, you know, she was going to put the tea in first and then pour the hot water directly on it, which was going to, quote unquote, scald it and then overcook the tea to the point where it would ruin the flavor and that's all what he's talking about it's like you don't want to ruin the aroma of the tea you don't want to burn the leaves because they're dried already so we're just rehydrating them we're getting them to steep the water flavor it remove it all the caffeine will still be in the tea and then um you don't want to add too much anyways because then you're going to have too strong of a flavor and it's going to be overbearing and so we don't think that way when it comes to, you know, making coffee. We're just like, put the grounds in there and force all the water right through it, and then, you know, you got your black elixir on the other side. But with tea, and especially Alfred making it, it's like, uh, what is that thing that happens to Niles in, in that show, The Nanny, where, like, the butler association shows up, and they're like, hmm, we're going to, like, judge you and see if you're a master butler in the community. It's what Alfred yeah. has to go through. It's like I'm I'm Michelin starred by the Butler Association, uh, which would be that. I mean, I I wouldn't know any better to be honest <laughs> with you. That makes sense to me. I can see it here. Um, I'm more so just baffled at the whole process of it. Tea making is, uh, you know. Foreign to me. Do you ever make? Uh, I don't want to say. No, know. I've never done the whole. So like, I never got the whole. At one point, my brother got like a like a like a like a gift box that came with like a, a tea ball know, kettle and yeah, with a ball and like a you know fancy yeah stuff and was like oh that's 
neat. But when you pack um, the tea in in the ball, you don't put the tea ball in the cup and then pour the hot water over it. You pour the hot water and then you dip. And then you lightly dip the. Yeah, you dip yeah, it in there. Okay. And then you know. Well, it's the same thing with like a tea out. bag. Yeah, same thing. But you're not putting the tea bag in the cup and then pouring hot water right in there. That's what they're saying. Like, don't do that. Water first and then dip. Tea bag. Tea tea bagging. It don't. Okay. Everyone knows that concept, right? <laughs> Everybody knows the concept. It's like it's unavoidable, but yeah. it's it's a real thing. So really, my only question is the tea that she was putting into the just a cup. It was just straight tea leaves, no vessel, no nothing. Just yeah, like you don't have to. It's fine. Essentially, grounds. Yeah, just putting the grounds okay. right in there. Okay. Yeah, which is fine. You know, I don't, I'm sure the women of Themyscira don't you know care. They just put the no. tea in there. Drink the tea. Drink the leaves. You know, I had I drank uh, kombucha for a while there. Um, for a while, as like a yeah, because it was like a I was trying to do a system. Fl- Don't worry about it. It was a You're trying to do a cleanse. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah, on yeah, that yeah, toxins. Yeah. I was on. I was. I was, I was on the toxins <laughs> and those little. Uh, I was doing a detox. Those little detox sticky pads Avenger. you put on your feet at night weren't working for me. I've huh? done those. Um, Are you doing all of that? As, no, no, no. Oh, I was making the joke. Oh. I only know those from an as seen on TV commercial. Oh. They sell them in Japanese um, stores. I tried one. Yeah, I I figured it's an actual like real thing. But um no, what was I even saying? That you tried uh or uh, not herbamate, but uh what is it? Kombucha. Oh yeah, and it's all just like floaty stuff in it. Bitter kind of I mean, yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. Oh God, it's so bad. It's it, but, it's an interesting concept. The more you think about uh, tea and how it's just dirt and water, and we just drink it, like you you simplify it to the point where it's like, yeah, it's dried leaves and water. It's just you know refined mud at this point, and you drink it. No different than coffee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just. It is what it you know, is. It's a bean crushed up. It's actually pulverized. It's actually a stone fruit. What's a stone fruit? The where coffee beans come from. The 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 coffee beans are actually the seed of a stone fruit. So it's not a bean. It's actually a fruit, and the pit of a okay. fruit. So, anyways, let's get off this topic. <laughs> yeah. How about anyway, something more? So important? what do we have next? It's the. Batman Armory uh, technical moment where we talk about a gauntlet. And then uh, Alfred is working on this new project and it has a... Uh, <laughs> it's it's really funny because it's a Batman gauntlet. It's a van brace with uh, some like EKG uh, things attached to it, which are <laughs> really interesting. But he pulls out this Kryptonian uh, scout rifle and... When he says we, we we borrowed this from the Kryptonian scout ship, it's something that we've been waiting for because I, well I've been waiting for it, and we mentioned it a long time, even before Dawn of Justice came out, and we were thinking like, oh, it would make sense for Batman and Alfred to salvage parts of the Kryptonian scout ship that landed in Metropolis to build armor that could fight Superman. And then he built his his new layer of armor in Dawn of Justice. And then also in the Marvel Universe, in Spider-Man Homecoming, 
they introduced the concept as well, where, you know, remnants of the Chitari aliens in New York, they were then salvaging those parts for the alien technology and using them without throughout the, the you know, the Manhattan or whatever, just the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general. And so here, now we're back here in, in Justice League. And Alfred is saying, okay, we borrowed this rifle from the Kryptonian scout ship. That's That makes a lot of sense. But also, it's like, would they use the armor as well? And so that's a that's a line I've been waiting for. It's like, tell us that you've also been using that that armor or, or, or the material. Not so much kryptonite. But... Uh, you mean like the material like the ship is made out of? Yeah. Like whatever metal that is? I don't think that's... To absorb the heat of the kryptonian weapons like use the use the pieces of metal there to put it on batman when he when he becomes armored batman in this movie where we see kind of like a middle ground between the armored suit and the tactical suit and like his regular suit and he starts putting on those pieces of armor onto the suit that should be like yeah we took parts of the kryptonian scout ship and put it on him so that he could fight parademons and Superman, apparently. So, do that. Say that line. Be like, we, we, we're we totally making a... Um, it's like a, a, another great reference to the Marvel Universe. I'm trying is, to think, um, but, the, but it's... The Kryptonian scout ship wasn't absorbing energy blasts of any sort. But it could. If anything, I don't... But I don't... They just... How? Uh, uh, no, not Ray Palmer, the other guy. Uh, Ryan Choi. He uh, is using the Kryptonian scout ship as a target for the heat laser that they just built. And it's absorbing that much heat. Oh, that was a thing. He was shooting it at... Yeah. He's shooting it at a piece of metal at the Kryptonian scout ship. And it was heating it up. okay. 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 So that concept tracks. I get that. I just didn't... I took the heating up thing as just like, oh, we're just going to say that this laser can do that and it will mark the mother box um i didn't even put a second thought into what it was lasering (laughs) yeah um that's why i was always confused as like to what the new armor when you were always saying when we have this conversation of yes we're salvaging things from the kryptonian ship for you for batman's use i was always just thinking like you know what did he take they just took a gun and, like, what else could they have taken? It's not like he took any, like, liquid geo, but now it's, like, what, they just, like, lift a, just a bulkhead? Like, uh, you know, in the in the dead of night? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, polish it off, like, get that giant heat laser that he had to, like, shave down the kryptonite sphere and just, like, you know, smooth out pieces of, of kryptonite metal and strap it down over his regular suit because that's what he has now he basically has the separation of plates of the armored batman suit from dawn of justice where that was like the big prototype like the iron man mark one if you will and then just yeah making it down into like okay we need to make it more you know faster move be able to move and just like okay what if we just took the pieces and just attached it to your regular suit and just get a whole bunch of belt buckles and just start strapping it around you. So, or just flash wiring, whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, get that. 
get that going. What would Batman do with Liquid Geo? He'd get some uh, Liquid Geo Batarangs and just throw it, and they would just turn into whatever. <laughs> yeah, what would he do with Liquid Geo? That's a good question. I don't know. What's 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 its main use? Storytelling. That's what we I think landed on last <laughs> yeah. years ago. Plot device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a storytelling device. Yeah. Um. No, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he had some liquid geo, and that's what made him get the idea for that super ergonomic chair that he's got. It just forms around him. Yeah. You remember that uh, five gum commercial? Oh, this is what what it's like to chew five gum. It's exactly what it's like to chew five gum. That's liquid geo, baby. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, someone brought this up recently, but it's like the whole nanotechnology suit design that we have now in superhero movies, uh, yeah. is a curse that we should have never gotten. Oh something. yeah. I'm echoing that, that resentment towards it. It's just, it's terrible. So we were talking about this before with, you know, you don't need the, the, the gimmick of putting a suit in a ring and stuff. It's just like you have the costume, you have the costume, you put on the costume, you get the whole shtick of doing the thing with the putting on the costume. Mm -hmm. When you have the little CGI nanotechnology of just like, okay, give me like five frames and he'll be suited up is a cop like completely the, uh, yeah, it's the opposite direction. It's just, it's no longer fair. Yeah. Now it makes you want to be like, well, shit, put it in a ring and make it pop out the ring. Yeah. The dude, Peter pulling out a fabric mask from his backpack is a staple. Peter shooting his backpack and web-slinging it to a wall and being like, I'm going to like leave, leave this for later. Yeah. Staple. You're right. It, it, the whole nanotech thing is, is a cop-out, and it, just, it, it no longer has the fanfare of, of superheroes suiting up. Think about all, all the original iron man movies from the first phase including the avengers movie where every time iron man suited up it was just like parts are being put on him and yes it's cgi but at least there were like big chunky parts being put on that would then connect with the other parts and like having those things connect or even when he was walking and it was removing itself on the stark tower it that was cool. it's like a cool moment and it's a good like yes 10 seconds Whereas now when they go into nanotech suit, it's just like a CGI blip of like blip. Yeah. Like, all right, suits on. It's like, just okay. Layer, turn layer on. And it's like, okay, well, you just removed that whole trope. At least have the, for for the good purpose. Give it like a good 10 seconds of like cool nano, like get the close up still. Like don't. When yeah, Tony does the thing in Infinity War, but they do it um, once, and then they're like, "Okay, we're never." He does it, do it once. Again. He does the tap, and he does the the sweatshirt thing, and then it like goes over, and it does a whole like, "This is the nanotechnology. Yeah. It's a new. Here's the new nanotechnology. We get it." And then, you know, I guess the thing latches onto Peter, and it does it that way, and they they like spoon fit. They eased you into it. Now it's just like the staple. Now it's like cool you get a couple cool shots of the nanotechnology slow motion forming onto the person you know superhero suit up now it's just i don't know maybe it's the idea of okay you already know he's going to suit up it's you already know he's spider-man so like just let's just get into the action and boom peter's already there and suit my ultimatum is like if you're if you're not gonna have a suit up animation then the suit's gotta be 
a real thing, a practical thing. Like when you see Flash, when you see Batman, when you see Sam Raimi Spider-Man, and those are real suits, it's okay if the character shows up on screen already in suit and we don't have to ask questions of, of how or why. But if the suit is going to be like some CGI animation and they're not going to be wearing a real suit, then give it the moment of, it's okay, it's visual effects, then then let's go to town on on how it how it attaches to you because if it is a flash suit that pops out of a ring don't just make it that it pops out and then you, i don't know tornadoes and i don't know just give it give it a good moment don't just make it like all right let me just pose real quick and blip now i'm now i'm in my spider-man costume it's like come on let's get crazy let's yeah you you chose cgi for a reason use it so um, but yeah, we're going to see what this uh, uh, new layer of armor does in, to, in Monday's Minute. But I don't know if you have anything else for this one uh, other than, you know, we got some cool tea talk and learned how not to drive on the road. So a lot of etiquette in this minute. Etiquette minute. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's wrap up for today if you guys enjoyed everything you heard you can find us on all social media at DCU Minutes and the Facebook group the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society where you can join us to talk about today's minute or any minutes you guys are catching up on we'll catch you guys on Monday for minute number 96 of Zack Snyder's Justice League